0: I'd like to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being with here, us here today, Lord. I thank you for giving me this opportunity, Lord. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would open the hearts of these people, open my own hearts, Lord, that your truth would come forth, Lord, that you would guide us and that whatever's done up here today would be glorifying to you in your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord and I pray all these things in Jesus name. Okay, the New Testament reading is 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 7 to 12. Therefore to you who believe he is precious but to those who are disobedient The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, That when they speak about you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now before I get into the verse, which actually is what I'll be be preaching on, I want to just give some introduction. If you had been a Hebrew in the time of Solomon... You would have found the, the kingdom of Israel united, the 12 tribes together, ruling over the entire region, all the land that God had promised to Abraham and Moses and Joshua. You would have found the temple you know, built in operation and all the preparation work that David had done for it brought to fruition. And you would have found the king, at least in the early part of his reign, chosen by God, you know, son of David. I mean, you, we understand in America we have foundations. You look at something, we look at courts. you see a picture of the White House or the Capitol, and you think, that's part of our nation. In Israel, the supports would have been the temple and the king. But at the time, and I'm reading from Chris Chronicles, the author of Chronicles lived. They were no longer control the area. They were subject to foreign conquerors. The temple, the one that Solomon built, the glorious temple, had been burned. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins. And the king... The last two kings, Jehoiachin, who was probably the last real king, because he was the son, because all during the time of the, of the kingdom of Judah, the, a son would, would replace a father. Until Jehoiachin, who was taken away and in prison for about four decades, and Zedekiah, another king, he was blinded and sent to, and sent to Babylon and died in prison. So the last two kings, so the kings weren't there. So the author wanted, through the grace of God, we know the story with you know that the king uh, Cyrus the Persian conquered Babylon and he let the people go home. Now, the writer of Chronicles was trying to encourage the people to come back to the promised land. To come back, to reinstitute, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild worship, to wait for the coming king whom God would send. So, when he wrote Chronicles, that was his desire, was to get people to say, we need to go back, we need to rebuild. Because we can see that around us and around even today. That's the foundations of destroy, what can the the righteous do? We hear about things now, and we think, that's a joke. Someone's making that up. And you find out a little later, no, it's serious. So, the chronicler, I'm sure he was a preacher, he would have preached a series of sermons. He was an historian. He wanted to write a work to encourage the people to return to the land to reorganize the temple, restore it, and to await the king whom God would send. So he, by book. Now, before I get to put into sharper focus, we are spoiled in a sense because we are awash with paper. You can go down to Staples and you can buy it by the the, the truckload. In the ancient world, I can tell you you would not give your children a few pieces of papers and crayons to entertain them. It was just too expensive. Paper was precious. You go to Mesopotamia, they didn't use paper, they would actually use clay. You know, it's like you tell your secretary and they write on it, then they'd put it in a kiln. Somebody would like, bake me a letter. And if you were out there, and if your kid broke a pot or a plate, you'd be like, do you throw that out? No. Scratch paper. You put your shopping list on it or whatever you do. It was, it was that precious. I mean, for writing, there's stone, but stone. I mean, in ancient Israel, you would not have taken your Bible to church. It would be like 24 scrolls, and it would be, you need a minivan to carry it. Because paper was precious. And if you wanted a scroll, there's only so big you can make your scroll. I mean, you can't change the font, because everything's written out by hand. And they found that just for trial and error, about the maximum is about 32 feet. You go beyond that, you start to tear and rip. It's just too cumbersome. You've got to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger to carry it. And it'll rip too easy. So if he was going to write a book, he was limited in what he could write. So what does he do? He says, Okay, I want to write and what's my goal? I want to speak about the temple, the need to go back there. And I want to... Speak about the need for the to wait for the king. So he looks at the entire history and goes, History of the Northern Ten Tribes. Don't need it. Rip. David in the wilderness being chased by Saul. Wonderful story. David and Goliath. Don't need it. Doesn't do anything. Rip. He tears out so much stuff that he could write and he add stuff. I mean, if I was going to write to you about how wonderful the Supreme Court was of the United States, I would not talk to you about the Dred Scott decision where they declared black people were property. I would not talk to you about Plessy versus Ferguson where they said that separate but equal is fine. And I certainly wouldn't talk to you about Roe v. Wade, which made abortion legal and federally protected in all 50 states. So when he wrote about the kings, a lot of the the, the wickedness, he didn't cover. It did not serve his purpose. Because he wanted to see, show us, how it works when you have a good king. How it works when your king is following the Lord. How it can change a nation. So he'll cover the reforms from Hezekiah and Josiah. And he also shows some of the kings, the high points of really low spiritual lives. So everything he put in that book had a purpose. Everything was important. There was no fluff, no frills. Because in ancient literature, space was all important. Our earliest manuscripts of Greek, like the Gospels, they didn't indent for paragraphs. They did not put spaces between words. You just wrote just You would just scrunch it up, every, use every square inch. And the Hebrews did it one better. Who needs vowels? You don't need A-E-I-O-U. They memorized it. All the manuscripts with, with the Jews was a memory prompt. So that is how precious space was. Everything had to be focused... So you're not going to put anything in your book that won't accomplish what you want it to. So what did the writer of Chronicles think was important for God's people to know? Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahaloel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. The sons of Jephthah were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Dipha, and Togermah. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tashisha, Kittim, and Rodanim. The sons of Him were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Saptah, Rama, Sabakte, the sons of Rama with Sheber and Dadain. Cush begot Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one on the earth. Mizram begot Ludum, Anaman, Lahabim, Mafushtesim, Tarusim, Kaslutham, from whom came the Philistine and the Kaphtorim. Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn, Enheth, the Jebusite, the Amorite, and the Gergesite the Hivite, the Archite, and the Sinite, the Akvadite, the Zamorite, and the Hamathadite. Now, I could have gone on for 12 more chapters, and I think you're glad I didn't. And also, there is a secret to pronouncing Hebrew names. And say it with confidence. (laughs) There's not likely to be someone to say, Excuse me, sir, that's pronounced. So, why all these names? What? Scripture says that all Scripture is profitable. So, is this Scripture? And the answer is it is Scripture. So, it is profitable. So, today I just want to try to show you why I think it's profitable. So at least when you hit the chronicles, you won't, the the genealogy won't say, now I can catch up my Bible reading because I can can just flip through a few chapters because there was a meaning and a purpose for what was there. Now, one of the meanings of this in in its first point would be faithfulness, that God is faithful. In Genesis, God chose Abraham and called them out of Ur the Chaldean, him and his wife Sarah, and he said, I'm going to give you a son, and through your son you're going to have, you know, sons and beyond like the sands of the sea. At the very least, most of the people in the first chapters of Chronicles and all those genealogies were all sons of Abraham. God fulfilled his promise. While Abraham was waiting for God to fulfill his promise and to send him Isaac, Abraham and Sarah took things into their own hand with Hagar, and Ishmael was born. And God said, no, your generation will be numbered through Isaac. So, the story goes, when Ishmael, when, when Isaac was born, and they were weaning him to celebrate, and said Ishmael was mocking. And God, and, and Sarah said to him, get rid of the slave and, and her mother and send them out. So, Abraham's, so God told Abraham to do what Sarah says. So, I mean, that's culturally not done. I mean, it was, Ishmael was kicked out, and what did he give him? A couple jugs of water in the door. But he had a promise from God. He says, Do what Sarah says, and I will make Ishmael into a great nature, and he will have 12 sons. So, what do you see there in the the genealogy? Ishmael's 12 sons. God was faithful. We know when Jacob stole Esau's blessing, Ishmael said, Is there any blessing for me? And that's kind of the problem we're in because God has given all his blessings to Christ. So if you're not in Christ, there are no blessings left. And just like that, Esau and God's, Jacob said, I will make you will be away from the, into the wilderness, away from the fatness of the earth. And in the genealogy, you see the genealogy of Esau, and they knew words all about Edom. You go to the points, the Bible calls David man after God-owned heart. He has about 40 children's names listed, more than he should have had, but not one of all of them. Uh, Saul had four children, and one of his kids was called Ishmael. By all. Man of Baal. So all of David's children are named after Jehovah, or not none of them are named after the foreign, other gods. So when Saul was trying to kill David, Jonathan, his friend, came and warned him and said, Swear to me that you will not take care of my family and The genealogy has Marabal, Jonathan's son, and Micah, and going down to generations. Saul, when David found him in the wilderness, said, do not wipe out my family. And there's a record there of all of Saul's grandchildren. Because the standard procedure back then, you take over king, you eliminate everyone else. David didn't do that. So the first point the genealogy shows the faithfulness of God. The other point it shows is that heritage. When, God, when those names given to the original ordinance, they would not have been strange people. Granted, they would know how to pronounce them, unlike I do, but they would have, that's, that would be their grandfathers, their families. That with God there is a heritage. When, the, when they were trying to bring the temple, well, what is the temple? Is it just the high priest? And no. In the temple, there was all, the temple was people. They list the gatekeepers, which is like a security guard. And all their families, and what families they had to be there. That... We think gatekeepers, what they do, they lock the doors at night, they got at the temple, and they took care of, make, they did inventories. And yet, we wouldn't consider that, but they were family, and it was an, they would know, my, this is what my father did. I need to go back and do what he did. I need to do what God has called me. It's a heritage. Like, I'm first generation Presbyterian, My wife, Donna, has a great-grandfather who was Presbyterian, whose mother was raised Presbyterian, so it's a heritage. And a lot of us have those kind of heritages here. You know, it's just a reminder, they're not just. Because if we're going to do anything, even back then or even today, we need to know who we are. You, You need to look back. They need to see... This is God's people, and their temple even just was, and a lot of the jobs, because it wasn't just the high priest, normal people in those genealogies, people that no one would know about. You think of the, pres- we do history to be the presidents, the wars, but this is the ordinary people, the one who, who had to watch during the night who walked around the temple making sure there was no fire or robbery. And we look about gatekeepers but Ezekiel 41 has a picture. Ezekiel had a vision of a renewed rebuilt, glorious temple and they walk to the temple and the, what's the first thing they do? Check out the gate. How big, how wide. I mean, if I was invited to the White House, I'd want to see the Oval Office. i want to see the Lincoln Bedroom. I wouldn't be out there saying, Ooh, these are some pretty good doors here. Because what's important for us isn't always what's important to God. So that there's a heritage that all these people had a place, had a purpose. That's it, it, with us. It's not just the pastors, not just the elders. We're all the people of God. We all need to do what God has called us to do. Because the, the Old Testament temple was people, and the New Testament temple doesn't claim to be anything else. We're all living stones. So, the point there? And also, I think the genealogy shows us how God looks at history. It's people. God doesn't, no nations, God, you know, if I meet an old friend, they're like, what do you get into? Uh, how you doing? How's the kids? How, do the kids have kids? You start doing the genealogies, because I can't keep track of mine. That's how God looks at things. We are all God's children. He's, he sends judgment, but it's because of families and people. He's people-focused. His children-focused. So... So that's the point, and like so, the genealogy is just another way of looking at history, and it's our history, and that's what God did. So it's how does that apply to us? Well, we're in the same position that the Israelites. We're trying to build up God's temple. Now, God's temple is not a physical structure in any nation. God's temple is His church. God is here right now. God has called us all together. We are, And there's people out there who God has called and we need to help God go get. We have VBS coming. And like I said, it's not just... It's everyone's contribution. It's just as important... I mean, God knew all about the genealogies of people that we don't even know their name. Because God... That's how God thinks... We have a graveyard across the street from our house. We have never even gone inside. I couldn't tell you one name. And if I knew a name, it would be, we'd know nothing else about them. But God knows everything about everybody. God knows your birth, your born, your death. God knows everything. So, it's our put. so as we go through vbs it's up to us to you know do our part cuz it's cuz if we're going to come forward we need to know who we are we need to remember who we are we're not what the world thinks we are the world would look at us we're patriarchal which means all the men abuse the women and keep them under their thumb we are misogynistic which means we're not celebrating the fact that this week in the state of Maine, it is legal to kill a pre-born child up until the moment of birth. If you know the birth's going to be at 8 o'clock, if you get there at 7.55, you can kill it. We don't celebrate that. We're misogynistic. We are homophobic because we think marriage is between a man and a woman. And that homosexuality is not compatible with the Christian life. We are transphobic, because we just think there's just men and women, and that's it. And I'm sure, as time goes on, we're going to become more phobic. Because we're transphobic, plus phobic, I like that one. But what we need to be is theophobic, God-fearing. And we need to know who see ourselves the way God sees, because the world sees to a marginalized group in this corner. The reason that abortion bill passed in Maine is because only the Christians spoke up about it. And they're not really all that upset about offending Christians. They'd be a lot more offended about offending some of the special interest groups because they know they'd pay for it. But we're not the marginalized group. By going against God, they marginalize themselves. Because, first of all, where did Chronicles begin? With creation. Where does the... You know, we are part of God's eternal purpose from the beginning of the world until the end of it. We are here to serve God. and So, as I draw this to a close, I, I, I don't know if, I just hope you get a greater appreciation for it because, you know... The church is, like I said, it's people. It's us. It's people using their gifts for God, people no one else may know. And God uses it. Like, it's kind of like a colossal game of connected dots. You know, you you go one, two, three, only God's being infinite and all knowing, he can do it a lot more. Is that God has children scattered throughout all? the world in all of time and god is slowly connecting them together through the gospel and through his grace god planted a church in Lymington what over a hundred years ago so that at some point in time someone here could hear the gospel and get saved and then go somewhere else and it's like connect the dots when you connect all the dots you look back and you'll see a picture Well, when all the dots are connected, when all of God's children are called into the kingdom, you're going to see the picture, and it'll be a picture of Christ. So, so, let me close in prayer, and I I thank you for listening to me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. We are your children, Lord. We are your elect, Lord, but we are not your elite. It says not many were wise, not many were, you know, bold, but, but you used the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Lord, I stand before you as a foolish thing, Lord, but we pray by your Spirit that you would use us, use this church, that you would spread your gospel through it, and I thank you for all that you're going to do.